Hello and welcome to this next edition of, of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. It's a human-centered podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And today I've been so grateful to have Koan, the CEO and founder of Sustainable Brands, onto the podcast. I find it really fascinating that Koan started working at the intersection of purpose and profitability over a decade ago. And she feels that she's been lucky to have found her purpose. But I acknowledged what she was speaking about when she said that it takes courage and discipline to step into one's purpose, however. And right now we are coming towards the end of the free online Have Courage Summit, which you can find at haveCourageOneWord.co.uk. And this has been a real common theme throughout the 15 discussions so far, which is that it takes accountability and courage to actually live the version of ourselves that we really want to live. A final introductory point for me is actually that Koan spoke about that lip service is still being paid in some investor circles right now, despite the CEO Larry Fink of BlackRock um, stipulating that the investment community should be looking at more sustainability and more purpose-led organisations as part of their portfolio. But I did really love this statement that Koan shared, which was, the more you voice something, the more you can hold people to account, and the more others can then have that conversation. So dive in, really enjoy this conversation. I felt this was a one-to-one -one education for me around the, uh, the journey into sustainability over the last decade. And I'm sure you'll take so much away from this conversation as indeed I did. And I look forward to getting your feedback. Welcome to the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And I can't think of a better person to help discuss that today than Koan, who is joining me, who is CEO of Sustainable Brands. Hello there. Hello there. Hi, thank you so much for joining me today. For those that may not know you, would you mind just giving a brief introduction, Koan, to who you are and maybe what you're passionate about would be great. Oh, heavens. Uh, that's a big question at my age. <laughs> Um, as you noted, I am founder and CEO of a global organization called Sustainable Brands or Sustainable Life Media as our company name is known. Um, and for the last 15 years or so, I've been working at the intersection of purpose and profitability, trying to help drive the case for the um, new forms of value creation that can come out of tapping environmental and, and social challenges as an engine for innovation and, and revenue growth, actually, and brand reputational value. Uh, in the world. That's Has that always been within you? Is that something that sort of come to you at a certain point? Is there some sort of trigger for that? Or was it always something that's been within you, Koen? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing. Um, we were in a conversation recently uh, with my team. Uh, someone was asking the group what they wanted to be when they grew up. And I, I find it interesting, again, at my age to look at the threads of things that have connected over the decades to find me in this place. But you know, I, I uh, have kind of variably wanted to be uh, a missionary and a choir director and a guidance counselor and a, a you know, secondary ed teacher. And then I found my way into business uh, through you know, after college and spent 18 years in, in business to business media and, um, you know, spent eight years in natural resources markets where I really first became 
uh, aware of the impending shortages that we're facing in, in our natural resources. And then I spent another 10 years in the technology field looking at emerging technologies and globalization and the impact of globalization on our future and um, kind of all these things that I've cared about, purpose, meaning, uh, you know, business, because I, I did have a, a great run growing a number of different businesses inside my my company and, and helping our company grow from 20 million in revenue to a billion over the time I was there. So a lot of great um, exposure and experimenting in business. Um, all of these things kind of came together uh, in in an aha moment when I left my business, um, my, my traditional career and asked myself what I wanted to do with my, the rest of my life. Uh, I, I just realized that this whole notion of the connection between purpose and profitability was not um, commonplace and that I had unusual experience and really wanted to use my experience to drive drive some further shift in the world. Well, it's just, it's amazing. well you're certainly living your purpose by the sounds of it, which is great. Are you, um, you feel free to say no. Are you, are you happy to speak about that, what that moment was for you or is it something you'd rather keep personal? I don't mind. The aha moment piece? Yeah, the aha moment, yeah. Oh. No, I don't have any. Um, I don't have any hesitation in speaking about it. I think um, uh, you know Thomas Friedman's books. If you if you know Hot, Flat, and Crowded, and and Lexus and the Olive Tree were uh, triggers for me to really start thinking holistically about the the uh, global economy and the impending you know crises that we are now feeling. Um, back in the '90s, this was so. That was a, a big kind of awakener for me. Uh, again, getting outside my company and realizing that that this engine that we'd used for for growing business, which really was about um, understanding purpose, uh, uh, you know, realizing that that wasn't commonplace. Um, and then I met Bill McDonough. Well, I started a a, um, a management consultancy that was focused on purpose and profitability. Paul Hawken and Anita Roddick. Paul Hawken from Smith and Hawken and Anita, you know, bless her heart, from the Body Shop. Um, we're both on the board of that company and they of course exposed me uh, more to the, the role of business in impacting positively or negatively the future. And then I met Bill McDonough in 2002 um, who wrote Cradle to Cradle and uh, read his book and <clears throat> really realized that we were at the beginning of this um, necessary paradigm shift that I felt like I had something to contribute to. Didn't want to start a company wanted somebody else to do it, spent it four years trying to get somebody else to do it, to be honest, um, and failed at that. <laughs> uh, and somebody just, you know, gave me $40,000 and said, you have to go do this. So it's, it was really an act of faith. I will say certainly, um, felt the need and offered myself up. Do you know something that I, th I think that's a really powerful thing for people to listen to actually, because I feel, so I'm actually running at the moment, um, Koan, an online summit called have courage. Uh, and it's something that I feel pulled to do. And I really mean that. I yes. really mean that. And it, it sounds exactly this, 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 uh, this, this journey for you is exactly that as well. Yes. Some, for some people describe it as creative tension when you can see a vision of a future that's very clear to you and you can see what needs to happen to get there. It's impossible to rest if, if that, you know, is, is not unfolding somehow. And I think that is an indicator that you found yourself in the middle of your purpose. And uh, I, I, uh, both feel lucky to have discovered that and also um, am happy to have had whatever courage or, uh, or discipline uh, it, it takes to, to step into it. It is a faith thing for me very much so. I, mean, I, I, I do come from a faith perspective. 
and and believe that um, you know that all we really have to do in the world is open ourselves up to be of service to the universe, and we will be used. Do you know something? I'm going to throw it out there for some of my listeners. It's quite interesting. So I had, uh, for me, uh, it, it is on topic. So part of my awakening over the last nine months, Koan, for me has been actually last August, I went on a, a retreat around understanding actually the principles of mind, consciousness and thought. And this is totally mm-hmm. so far away from what I would normally have had a conversation about. I was Mr. Make the money, nice house, nice life. And this experience has completely opened me up. Good for you. Just like, oh my God. The Good for you. Vision. <laughs> Yeah, good for you. It's amazing, and when the light bulb comes on, it uh, you can't turn it off again. That's that's one thing about knowing something new, right? <laughs> it's, It'll take over. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm getting that sense, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting that sense. But you know what's funny? So I come from a, what I would say an agnostic background. So I'm not a person of a particular faith, but I can totally resonate yes. with that there is a an energy behind all of us that you can't explain and should not need to explain. I guess. And I think that's the the beautiful thing. I mean, one of the things that drives me personally is I, I came from a very um, traditional uh, conservative evangelical Christian family um, and kind of I, I stepped away from that, um, you know, during college and, and after afterwards, mostly because I just felt um, not that I disavow the values that I was brought up with in any way, but because I felt that the frame was a bit limited and I saw a lot of other faith-based traditions and, and, you know, even physics uh, looking at the same kind of, uh, kind of arena, if you will, from different directions. And I, I just um, feel really passionate about trying to connect people uh, to, to concepts like this, regardless of where they come from. No, no. What wonderful. If, if we look at, so there's a lot of talk about purpose at the moment, probably far more. I'm sure you're seeing that amplified from 10 years ago when you started. Yes. How do you help people truly identify a purpose in quite what is a noisy space now? It's quite easy, isn't it, to get purpose washed at the moment? Yes. Um, how do you sort of approach that, if I may ask, out of interest? Are you, are you talking about individually or, or organizationally? or Just, just something, but both, both are interesting if you think they're different. But I think organizationally, if we look at sustainable brands and how you help brands be more authentic and actually sort of authentically step into a sustainability agenda rather than just tick the box for their CSR, for example. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You said that, um, you know, you asked whether they're different on the individual or organizational level. And actually, I don't think that they particularly are. In fact, I oftentimes tell companies that what is expected of you as a company is no different than what you expect of any personal relationship that you have. Uh, and that is authenticity and, you know, in, integrity and dependability. And um, I, I think present a purpose, you know, comes from, from mindfulness and presence first. So one has to be still and uh, get oneself in a place where one can listen more broadly than one is maybe used to, which maybe is part of your experience. Uh, and that is true for companies as well. Um, so first, first getting present and mindful uh, and listening and, and then um, being willing to be authentic uh, and realize that, that, you know, lip service, it does not generate trust, which does not create, you know, which impedes value creation, whether it's in a personal relationship or an organizational relationship. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. Those are, those are two things. 
Well, I think there's a lot to unpack there. And I think, again, if you look back, you know, I really appreciate you joining me today because I think the thing that jumps out to me is those things you just described are nothing to do with hitting the numbers. Right. They're all precursors to that outcome right. will come if you do that well. Right? It's such a subtle but very powerful uh, mind shift to start thinking about rather than the pursuit of growth to, to thinking about the pursuit of value. And, and, and recognizing that value, you know, creation or value exchange is what we're all seeking and, and what our, my, you might say our purpose is, again, individually, organizationally, and how, how are we, how can we create value for, for those we are in relationship with? And um, the funny thing is that that's one of the things that I, I would say, uh, you know, was consistently evidenced in my my first half of my career, which is that every time you started from a place of seeking to, to, to create value, the money followed. Right. So funny, you know, subtle shift, but super powerful. It's really interesting though, isn't it? Because, you know, money of course is important, it ha it ha but, but at the end of the day, money is just another mechanism for sort of espousing value, isn't it? You know, value could be from a caring point of view. It might be from a, support point of view it just seems to be the dominant paradigm is money yeah I, I again i concur if you think about money as a reflection of the value you're delivering then it, it makes total sense and and anytime one starts to per pursue money for money's sake one gets off track and puts oneself at risk you know mm -hmm. and that's very true organizationally it's uh, especially true now in the age of the internet where information is ubiquitous and um, the and, and transparency is uh, inherent, regardless of whether you you know want it to be or not. <laughs> you know, um, it, it becomes super important. You know, I try to tell companies all the time: you don't expect the people that you're in relationship with to be perfect, but you expect them to be honest about their you know values and about the um, things that they wish to bring into the world, and you expect them to demonstrate. Um, consistency around attempts to deliver and um, transparency around the things that are, are fails, right? You know, or, or, or weaknesses. And I, I find to the extent that we as people or organizations can operate from that place, you generate more trust and trust is a currency for, um, you know, for, for continuing, right? It's permission to, to continue. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think if you try and look at a couple of things we sort of discussed around the trust piece, around different, let's say, modes of value. And I want to come back to you spoke about getting still, being present and listening, being really key um, to, to, you know, to, to truly doing you know, sustainability well, in fact, to living well. Yes. You feel that it takes, back to the theme of this podcast, you feel it takes an element of vulnerability to allow yourself to stop or for the brands you work with to actually say it's fine just to be present and not be doing something right now. A hundred percent. And it's increasingly difficult in today's world. Um, you know, for sure. This is something that I came to know as a young person, uh, very young. I now have sons that are 24 and 25, both of whom are deeply present in, in their own ways. Um, and I have told them often that it's one of the most frustrating things in life is that you have to continually relearn things that you often you know, knew best as a young person. 
I try to try to tell them to hold on to those things that they know and and sit with them and try to embed them as much as as they can into their DNA because practice is is a whole different thing from knowing right mm -hmm. so uh, and I think that's the rub you know even for me today I, I can I can confidently say that I'm completely clear that the best thing that I could be doing every day is meditating you know for a chunk of time and doing yoga uh, having the discipline to do that when the world feels like it's pressing in on you and you have other things that you should attend to is a whole nother thing. Is there something in there as well about accountability as well, Koan, for you in terms of, because, you know, I've certainly experienced myself the last couple of decades, you know, it is easy to be a bit victim mindset. You know, I'm very, yeah. very good at that in the past. It's sometimes easier to do that, isn't it? Yeah. I'll be very vulnerable in in um, responding to that actually because I was looking at your question list last night as I was getting ready to for bed and um, what was the first question you had on on the list I've forgotten what it was but it was it was something about um, about self care or or um, presencing or something I don't remember what it was but I. I, I struggle as a CEO of an organization, a global organization that is constantly on um, trying to bite off more than it can chew <laughs> with, you know, my own orientation, which is to, as I'm leading the, the troops out there, uh, I, I often feel that it's my job to work as hard or harder than everyone else, you know, and um, at the same time, what that uh, creates is a sense that somebody else should be taking care of me because I'm working harder than anyone else. And in reality, I recognize now that I need to take care of myself for the sake of my team and for the sake of my kids, both. And that that in and of itself is a gift that I can give to them. And it's a, it's a misnomer. I think that we, that we have uh, in our society today that, that doing for others involves, you know, uh, working harder or doing more as opposed to demonstrating self care. So. I, I, I felt convicted about that last night <laughs> and, I, and this morning, and I'm going to really try to remind, you know, remind myself of that daily and take that back on because it's counter to, to um, my instincts. It's not instincts. It's counter to my habit. <laughs> oh, uh, thank you so much for sharing vulnerability that as well. Cause like, you know, you're, you're certainly not alone in that. And I think, you know, we, um, we run a, a weekly self self care weekly Twitter chat. It's only mm. a small little thing, but just for people to try and get that half an hour, hour to stop mm. and get present. And yeah. what's really funny is it's incredible the guilt that people yeah. have for stopping. Yeah. Well, again, I don't know, you know, where other people are picking that up. Again, coming from a Christian tradition where, you know, our, our, the, the leader of the faith is, is self-sacrificial at the ultimate level, you know, uh, I, I certainly recognize that that's, that's kind of part of what I have incorporated in my own sense of what, you know, um, what you're meant to aspire to, you know. Um, but I'm sure that, again, society in general, regardless of any particular faith that would, um, would propose that, also pressures us that direction. Mm. Growing up in, you know, in my adult life in Silicon Valley, you have that kind of double whammy of, uh, you know, work, work harder, drive more change, you know, uh, hard, hard, hard to, hard to unwind that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing I always come back to, it shared with me a, a while back is the, um, the auction mask analogy. Yes. Plane. And exactly as you just described, we can't serve other people unless we're well ourselves. We just can't. 
And it took me till I was uh, in my mid forties to acknowledge that to be the case. I was always saying, Oh, baloney, I'm going to take four people out of the plane with me on my shoulder. And, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, and you know, now I, I see the wisdom of that. So again, um, creating habit out of the, the, you know, the right thing to do is a different thing. Mindfulness apps. I've got some good ones. Which is your favorite? Which one works for you? I know it's all individual. Which one works best for you out of interest? You know, I'm, I'm using um, Sam Harris's uh, Waking Up um, app that my, one of my sons passed me um, at Christmas. And I'm really enjoying that one for sure. Uh, yoga has been a huge thing for me. And I have been a bit out of practice recently um, for a personal reason. My husband's had an accident and it's kind of gotten in the way of my, my rhythm and routine. And I travel a lot, which, which makes it rough. But um, I think uh, those two things, getting a good yoga on video and, and or mindfulness app are two things that are really, really helpful for me. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. I've not heard of that app before. So that's a, that's a new one, which is great. Yeah. Um, a little segue back into the business part for a second, if I may, I'm really interested to just get your view, really your open view. So Larry Fink now for two years in a row has been speaking about purpose and investor communities should be investing in more sustainable business. How's mm-hmm. that sitting with you? Is that helping you amplify the message of sustainable brands right now? Oh, we'll take everything we can get. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. It's great that he's now gone on record twice. Um, certainly the, the whole field of uh, responsible investing or impact investing is, is growing, which is really super helpful. Um, you know, I, I will say that I, you know, sit in CEO suites and the common, more common perspective is that uh, there's lip service being paid in some circles right now that don't really translate necessarily into um, investors actually asking the hard questions of executives today yet. But my personal feeling is I don't care, you know, whether the, the, the change in the conversation is coming from heart or from uh, trying to get on a, a perceived trend or whatever, it doesn't matter. The more that you voice something in the world, the more others have the opportunity to hold you accountable to that. And the more, you know, in general, you permission others to have, have those conversations. So I'm, I'm a huge fan and I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I guess to some extent, you know, technology now as well, there's, there's, there's a lot more pressure. We look at even the Starbucks, for example, where they overnight had to shut down their stores and train up all their staff, yeah. for example. Do you feel that that's continuing a pace? Do you, is, is this consideration for businesses? Yeah. Yes, and we're just only creating an increasingly more well-informed society. So the the more that we culturally learn and understand about you know the impact uh, of business on the world and the needs that we have to address, the more um, there will be both pressure and also you know, opportunity for brands that are leaning into that. So it was the thesis that we started the company with. And it is bearing out and it's really exciting to be at this moment in time where finally we're seeing senior marketers of the biggest, uh, you know, companies in the world really understanding at a personal level, both the opportunity that they have and the requirement that they have to figure this out. Mm. And would you say compared to when you set up 10, 10 years ago, just out of interest with sustainable brands, are you where you hoped you'd be? Are you further ahead of where you thought you'd be? I'm just interested in a sort of just a very rule of thumb. Uh, feeling for you right now 
Well, I, uh, I will say it's actually been closer to 15. Um, Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. No, I mean, the first few years were, were in a consulting um, capacity. We started, we incorporated in this current format in 2006. Um, we started the conferences in 2007 and took a little bit in, of investment at the beginning of 2008, really started to take off in that time frame. Of course, two things happened during that time frame. One was the big rush to green marketing, which uh, turned out to be a, a, mis, a misfire or mislaunch for many companies. Uh, I personally always tend to see, I, I tend to assume the best until proven otherwise. So my interpretation always comes from that frame. And I uh, prefer to say that many of the companies that, that tried to get on board at that time didn't know what they didn't know and it, that it wasn't intentional greenwash, it was just ignorance. Um, so we had that and all the backlash that came from it, and then we had the stock market crash, of course, and that derailed all of us for, for quite some time. So I would say, um, in light of those things, um, you know, we are continuing at a pace. I'd, I'd hoped that things would, would happen more quickly, but you know, looking back, uh, definite, definite, uh, progress and the thing that's exciting to me about the purpose frame right now that is kind of running rampant is that the companies that we work with, even though they often in, in many cases stepped back from the communications um, that they had been doing, they didn't step back from the internal innovation work and really trying to understand the landscape and the um, needs and the opportunities that they had to respond. And so now there's a lot more authentic, legitimate uh, um, stories to be told. And I you know, tell our constituency that, that we're now airing more on the side of green hush than green wash. And that, you know, it's important to be capturing value for, for good work because that is how we can sustain it. And so um, walking that line is, is interesting. But uh, no, I'm, I'm, I mean, things are unfolding as exactly ha as I had hoped. Right. Uh, and, I, and I do think we're at a, a really important pivot point. I, I've been telling people that I see 2017 as the beginning of the race to the top. Um, it's slow but steady. And uh despite the ridiculous um, political environment that we are operating in around the world, really, or maybe even partly because of it, uh, things continue to, to, um, to march ahead. Yes, it's a really interesting, um, don't want to get too political and I'm conscious of time as well, but I'm really interested, you know, I personally, and I'm an optimist like you, um, Kavan, but I sort of sense that the political instability and all the change right now is because we are rising this massive consciousness is rising both with sustainability but also just of self that yes. we can't carry on living the way we are and i think that's yeah. a fracture what, what do you think to that a hundred percent i think it's a really natural um kind of result of coming up against the, the the boundaries of the functionality of our old paradigms and whenever you have that sort of you know impending disruption current uh fear is often a result you know and fear creates uh, retrenchment and Protection is mind frame for many, um, particularly those people who are benefiting by the paradigm that exists. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we uh, we like to say we can either break down or break through, and you know, it's it's our choice individually and collectively. And I'm happy to say that that the the businesses that we work with, particularly global, I mean, I think two two ends of the spectrum: the the startups who are led by uh, inspired 
founders and also the big global companies who have the benefit of a lot of commodity research and uh, that that understand the um, downstream uh, impending impacts of climate change and resource constraints and all those things both you know recognize the reality and are recognize the the requirement to respond so um I think the more that we can permission or reward people for doing that, the, the faster we're going to accelerate through this. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I just wanted to share, obviously, my, my day job, as it were, is actually working in the chemical industry. And I found yeah. it really interesting on your LinkedIn profile to find um, an article about BSF um, mm-hmm. doing some work around sustain, like look, look at the full life cycle of yes. their materials. And I just think this is really positive now. I'm, not, I'm interested to ask you, do you do much with the sort of energy sector or old heavy industry today, just out of interest? Well, I think materials particularly because our our, our focus from the beginning had really been consumer-facing brands. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, all the, any of the sectors that are consumer-facing. Um, we don't do a lot with energy, uh, but we do do a lot with materials and materials are, you know, form the basis of the products and services that are for the products that we buy, right? So, um, BASF actually has been one of our, probably our longest and strongest supporter and came to us in probably 2008, recognizing the writing was on the wall and they need to figure out how to um, drive change in their business. And they have been a leader in innovation, internal innovation uh, in our community since then. And I um, see a lot of that happening in a lot of the materials companies. Awesome. Well, as we look to wrap up, one of my favorite questions, Koan, who or what is inspiring you the most right now? And it could be personal. It could be, could be what you're working on. Just really interested. Yeah. The first thing that comes to my mind is the executive team at Procter and Gamble, uh, partly because I have the opportunity to serve on their external sustainability advisory council. So I, you know, uh, I, I have an insider view into what's going on there. And I'm just really deeply moved by the, by the personal courage and commitment and leadership of David Taylor, the CEO there, and of Mark Pritchard, the CMO, and Virginie Helias, the CSO, and the VPs of innovation and um, communications and government affairs and uh, uh, the CFO. Across the, the leadership spectrum at the company, they have set this change agenda as core to their strategy going forward and they're really earnest about it and it's really quite inspiring to see them standing up in the face of the pressures of quarterly earnings and activist shareholders and other things that are real you know uh, practical obstacles that companies that want to do the right thing face so they they're inspiring me a lot right now brilliant well, look, just as we finish up, if there's anyone that wants to follow, find, follow, find out more about Sustainable Brands or a bit more about yourself, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Go on. Well, sustainablebrands.com is, is our website and you can find uh, much about us there. Of course, all of our events. You're, if your listeners are in Paris, you may know we have a big pan-European conference launching in uh, Paris in April. So that's uh, uh, svparis.com or .eu, I think it is. Google SB Paris. It's quite quite inspiring the team there is very innovative and is breaking breaking uh, the the standard structures of uh, conference experience and I'm, I'm excited about that fantastic well look thank you so much for your time and uh, i'll make sure those details are added to the show notes and thank you for following your purpose good luck with your efforts thanks very much cheers go ahead bye-bye, bye-bye.
Hi there, it's just your value through vulnerability host Gary Turner back to wrap up this, I have to use the word sensational podcast discussion with Coans, CEO and founder of Sustainable Brands. I just learned so much from her and I just really enjoyed the flow of the conversation. And just a few of the other wrap ups for me were around the fact that Coan does not think that the purpose is necessarily different between what an individual has and also what an organization has as long as it comes from a place of authenticity, integrity, and dependability, there is no reason why they need to be different. I thought that was an interesting reflection. Something else I found really powerful was when Cohen spoke about the fact that lip service does not generate trust and indeed will impede value creation. This is something that came up for me in a conversation with uh, Dr. Dave Ulrich, who was on the first edition, episode one of the special Have Courage Online Summit podcasts. And he was speaking about the fact that value is the only thing that matters in relationships. And as such, this uh, really resonates with me. If we look at uh, Cohen's vulnerability as well, you know, a key theme of this podcast, I really was grateful for her sharing that she still struggles even today um, to slow down and to not be seen to be the one that's running the fastest and the hardest out of all of her staff. And she recognizes the need for her to take care of herself so that she can be best for her colleagues and her family. That is such a critical reflection. We talk about the oxygen mask um, metaphor, but it's a really important one. How many of us are on that hamster wheel believing that we have to be going faster, quicker, um, you know, continuously just to try and prove our worth or to tell ourselves we're good enough or to be the one that's ahead? You know, it's just insane. You know, none of us need to be doing that to ourselves. If we can get present, allow ourselves to access the innate resourcefulness that's within all of us that's a far more sensible way going forward in order to help her counteract that trait that she recognizes in herself she uses sam harris's warming up app a couple of final reflections for me Some, as someone that works in the chemical industry i struggle from time to time to to be having these sorts of conversation that know that i'm dealing with chemicals that come of an extractive nature but we can't get away from that that's the way we are at the moment in terms of our society but it's interesting that BASF, who are indeed a supplier to my work organisation and a customer, have been one of the longest supporters of sustainable brands since 2008 in terms of their material science business. And they continue to be a leader in internal innovation. Also, in terms of one of her biggest inspirations is the executive team at Procter & Gamble, um, an organisation where she herself serves on their external sustainability council. And she really rates and respects the personal courage and leadership of that executive team. And this is something I think about when I think about the likes of Gary Ridge at WD40, where he deliberately and intentionally tells his investors with respect that they need to take a long-term long and not a short-term bet on them. So there is this raising of consciousness, I think, both within the investor community, as we mentioned, with regards to Block, BlackRock, but also in terms of the leaders of some of these big global brands. And finally, just a reminder in case uh, for those that may be um, hard or, or short of sight, the books that were recommended by Coan. There were two books by Thomas Friedman, um, one being Hot, Flat and Crowded and The Lexus and the Olive Tree. And then finally, there was Cradle to Cradle by Bill McDonough. So I hope that they're helpful. If there is people that are um, short of sight, but maybe can get books in Braille, it could be quite helpful for you. And um, the reason I'm mentioning this is that I'm trying to be more intentionally dis disability inclusive after my education and lessons um, with um, Deborah Rue, 
who's the CEO and founder of Rue Communications. And indeed, I looked to connect Deborah and Coan as two people that are leading their respective charges with the global brands globally. So Coan on the sustainability agenda and Deborah Rue on the disability inclusion agenda. So another little reflection, I'm trying to learn real time working out loud and I would ask that you will do the same as well. How can we try and make sure that our interactions are as uh, disability inclusive as possible? So have a fantastic um, day, evening, morning, wherever you are in the world. And I really hope that this podcast has served you as selfishly for me, it's served me in so many different ways. And until next time, I'm really grateful for any feedback or reflections you may offer on social media uh, via the iTunes um, podcast app or even directly at gary.turner at the listening organization, one word.co.uk or at GaryTurner0 on Twitter. And take care for now.